we're both more about preserving people's principal or capital as opposed to trying to reach the the greatest return for a year right that's right so because we i think we both believe uh, that you'll move forward faster by losing less This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial in the San Diego area, and Thomas O'Connell, president and managing principal of International Financial Advisory Group, Inc. in Rockaway, New Jersey. Together, they'll be keeping retirement happy from coast to coast. Welcome back to another episode of the Retire Happy Podcast. I'm John Amarino, your holistic retirement advisor in San Diego, California, and I am joined by my co-host on the East Coast, Tom O'Connell. How you doing, Tom? I'm great, John. How are you? Good, good. Another uh, busy weekend and uh, getting ready to start the work week off. It almost seems like the work week is uh, like my uh, vacation away from my weekend. I can certainly appreciate that between soccer and all the other things that my daughter does. I, sometimes it's impossible to find a little time for for my uh, afternoon nap, which uh, which I love to do on a, on a cold and wet weekend. But uh, yeah, here we are, coast to coast, helping folks. Which is this? This is really one of the great things that I love about our job is being able to do this and reach out to people and get them. Uh, the information that hopefully they can use to uh, fulfill their retirement dreams. So uh, I, I love doing this. This is really a, a great opportunity, and I certainly appreciate you adding me to your podcast. Yeah, no, I've I've had a blast, and I've actually gotten a lot of good feedback from some uh, some of my listeners saying they they enjoy the uh, back and forth banter that we have. So awesome! Um, awesome. Glad it's entertaining. I hope you're. I hope you're. Uh, Clients and listeners are enjoying it also. As far as I know, they are. So uh, I haven't heard differently. <laughs> nice. But time will tell, right? <laughs> no news is good news. So on today's episode, we are going to give a brief state of the economy. And uh, we're also going to talk about inflation and the supply chain and, and where you know things may be heading in the future. So let's go ahead and start it off with the state of the economy. So September is historically one of the weakest months in the investing year. A lot of people may not know that. And just on cue, the S&P 500 dropped 4.8% last month. Now, the other poor investing month is typically October. You know, in the following the Halloween mantra, this has the spooky reputation also amongst invents, in, investors. Now, we're at market highs throughout this month, but we have seen the traditional volatilities, the volatile swings of the markets that have occurred over past cycles. So you know, a lot of the times when I talk to clients, we say, hey, listen, at the end of August through November, really start to look at this time of the year being volatile. And and grow to expect this. So I was looking at an interesting capital market indicator from that's put on by capital market consultants. And Tom, they had our economy. The indicator for the economy was in the 97th percentile of being very strong. And 
they base this on the Federal Reserve Banks of Philadelphia's U.S. Coincident Index and the fact that the CPI rose 5.4% on a year-over-year basis in September, which is actually the largest increase since 2008. Great. However, what I really found interesting here, Tom, was you got the the economy, right, that's gauging in a 97 percentile being very strong, but the sentiment is extremely bearish. You know, the contrarian indicator based on the National Association of Active Investment Managers shows that the bearish indicator registers at 5%, the five, fifth percentile. What, what do you think is the cause of that? Well, I, I, there's probably a lot of reasons. I think the average person like you and I and our listeners and our clients, we realize that not all those indicators are really tell the whole story. Let's put it that way. I mean, if we take the S&P 500, for example, that's really been driven for the last couple of years, not only this year, by just a handful of companies, the Amazons, the Googles, the Walmarts, companies like that, that uh, Apple, right? They're probably making up the vast, vast majority of the market increase where the vast majority of the companies in the S&P 500 are probably at a neutral or a negative level. Right. So, so these companies are so big. Tesla, right? So, to uh, I think it was last night or two days ago, I saw that um, Hertz is ordering a hundred thousand new electric vehicles from Tesla, and Tesla stock has gone through the roof. It's a trillion dollar valuation now. Um, they've they've never made money, but yet they're still a, a, a trillion dollar valuation. Kind of sounds like the the late nineties, huh? Exactly. The, and you see companies like Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, uh, companies like this with these huge valuations, but they've never made any money. But these are the kind of companies that are driving this market. And so it's not the everyday companies. It's not the Fords. It's not the GMs. It's not the GE. It's not the standard bearers that are driving this market. It's just a handful of them. So, I, and I think most people see that, or at least money managers anyway, or and people in our industry see that. And we're not fooled really by the, the Federal Reserve numbers or their, what their, their sentiments are. Right. Um, you know, inflation is another big deal, which I, I know we're going to get to in a, in a minute. And, and the everyday person is feeling that in their pocket, and it's, it's not a good feeling. Yeah, well, you know, and kind of getting back to, you know, you forgot a couple companies too, you know, Apple and, and what, what that, but let's not forget Big Pharma, All right? Sure. Pfizer reported a 92% increase in revenues for quarter two, not to mention that was based on their vaccine, but not to mention some of the side effects for blood clotting and myocardiology went up, I believe, 13% and 77%. So, so you know, Big Pharma has also reported some strong- right earnings given our situation. And and yeah, I mean, it's amazing how our economy could have such strong indicators when I kind of sit back here and look at that. You you have really employee shortages all over the place. And, you know, ever since really, you know, the last 18 months, we've just been handing out stimulus checks, you know, uh, child credits, monthly credits. And, and a lot of this has been, you know, Fed driven and politically driven, which I think, you know, I don't 
disagree with having to try to help people out of a bad situation. But, you know, where I kind of get a little worried is how long does this continue on for, right? Is this the what they call the new norm? And quite frankly, this country can't afford that. Right. And what are they comparing it to? So we're comparing it to 2020, which you know, in the market was a horrific year for a part of it. Now, I had a great ending. Things really picked up uh, uh, towards the end of the year. People were going back to work, I guess, to some, at some level. And so, but when you look at the early part of 2020, when the markets were down 30 or 40% for a short period of time, whatever that crazy number was, if that's what they're comparing it to, then yeah, we have a great economy. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple million more people went back to work, but they're still, like you were just saying, a huge number of people, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, uh, aren't working still. And they're they're getting checks from the government. And then we still have these infrastructure and tax bill proposals sitting out there in Congress that's going to cost the government or not cost the government because we're being told it's not going to cost them anything. It's going to cost the taxpayers another estimate six to $10 trillion. That's another reason why there's not a lot of positive sentiment in the market uh, from the everyday person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like having... Uh tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt and just going out and buying uh, another credit card that you're not going to be able to pay off with even a higher AP, APR. Exactly. You dig yourself deeper and you think and everything's okay. Right. So the bearish sentiment too, I mean, kind of looking forward, I and tell me if you agree with this, Tom, I, I really kind of see a couple things that could continue that bearish sentiment. A, you mentioned- Inflation, which you know you could talk about a little bit, but then we have supply shortages, mm-hmm. and we, you know we have employment shortages, and then we also have you know the potential. Well, what if you know we raise interest rates in twenty twenty two again? How is that going to be, especially for you know the bond market, which you know of course is a double edged sword? I tell a lot of my retiree clients, you know, low interest rates are great for buying stuff, but Retirees use interest rates oftentimes to for fixed income right. and to diversify and de-risk their portfolios because obviously bonds, historically speaking, are, are lower volatility. Right. And uh, we, we also have to throw in the mix uh, an increase in taxes because yeah. we know at some level that's coming. And we've seen every study out there when we when the both of us do our our talks to clients and at programs that we talk at uh we all know that taxes is the number one expense that retirees will pay it's the largest expense that they have in retirement and if they're going to be raising taxes then that's just an additional cost uh, on top of the inflation on top of obviously price increases which go hand in hand with the, uh, inflation the devaluation of a dollar because they're printing so much over and over again to to try to keep the market propped up right and you know we're going to see and you know in a very granular sense talking about you know the devaluation of the dollar i mean that is in itself that second topic inflation right mm-hmm. it, you know inflation um you know it's insidious it's it erodes your purchasing power and i you know i think all our listeners would understand especially here in california 
you know, that gas used to cost a dollar, but here now it's costing, you know, if you go to Costco, I think it's like four thirty a gallon. And in California, and what people that I really want to see people start to do across the nation, again, get in on my uh, anti-politician high horse here is stop taking a side, folks, and go start, you know, my approach, and I'm not saying it's the right one, but my approach is like, listen, all I care about is my my family, my friends, and my clients is what are the decisions being made in D.C. best for those segment of people. And if it's not, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you on it. And, you know, it's funny because when gas prices spiked in the beginning of the summer, we, you know, oh, it's the summer blend, the summer blend of gas. And I don't even, I mean, I don't even know. We live in San Diego, Tom. I don't even know what a summer blend of gas does. I've never researched it. Um, it's not like we're having... Uh, you know, 80 degree swings in weather like you guys get on the East Coast. Right. Um, but, you know, for some reason I go to, I go, we went to Hawaii in July. You know, Hawaii is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Their gas was cheaper than us. Or if we go to the Colorado River for our river trips and once we cross in Arizona, gas is magically a buck 25 less a gallon, right? So yeah, out here for me, I've seen a, right now, I'm, it's basically double from what it was last year. So it's up. At least a hundred percent in pretty much across the board, but in some places, I it, just in New Jersey, I'm seeing California kind of pricing. I'm, I'm seeing four or five dollars a gallon, and New Jersey just recently, within the last couple of weeks, actually had a lowering of the gas tax because they took in so much revenue over the last year or so. They actually lowered the gas tax slightly, but we're still seeing an increase in the pricing. And that the simple fact of it is, is that a couple of years ago, we were energy independent and today we're not anymore. So now our country is left begging places like Saudi Arabia, Russia, and other places for gas and oil because we're not producing our own. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like you said, you know, shorter term U.S. production is no longer the relief valve that it's been in the past with oil. Right. Previously, U.S. drillers would quickly ramp up production in the shale fields, and that's not happening today. So, you know, we're no longer, U.S. is no more, no longer insulated from global events than we used to. And then what's going to happen when someone gets mad at us? Are we going to have a 1970s all over again where all of a sudden there's an embargo and we're not allowed to receive any gas? Or oil from any of these other countries? Yeah, uh, well, I look mean, at you look at Asia and Australia, right? Price of coal is hitting new highs. Why? Because Australia won't ship them coal. It won't ship it over to China, right? Yeah. And China and China now has across its country rolling brownouts and blackouts because it doesn't have enough coal to power their electricity plants. And I think I think you see a little bit of that out in California too, right? With uh, some of the uh, the wind turbines weren't able to produce enough energy during the summer, and so now, I, from what I understand, there are some rolling brownouts uh, throughout California to try to uh, preserve some of the energy. And yeah. it's when you have incidences like that, how can anybody have confidence in? The state of the economy, the state of politics, anything. Yeah. And, and, you know, for the longest time, I think 
the mainstream media was saying, well, no, inflation, it's not really here, it's not here. Now I think they're coming around because, you know, no people can't make those arguments, those rationalizations, you know. Prices are higher. And not only that, but, you know, we have, I think it's now to, I don't know, I, I heard around 100 boats parked off the shoreline of Long Beach. And I, I saw a funny meme that, that called it the Biden bro- boat parade, right? I mean. Yep, 100 boats just sitting out in the ocean doing nothing. And, you know, and, and they even linked the one oil spill that kind of really affected Orange County to one of the boats in the harbor, you know, that was just sitting there. So now we're, now not only do we have inflation, but then you combine it with supply. And again, supply and demand is just kind of like with the stock market, it's going to drive prices. Right. And now, you know, now we're, now all of a sudden we're back to, hey, you know, they're going to, there's going to be a a food shortage. There's going to be toilet paper shortage. I, at our anniversary dinner, I didn't even know you could have a dry ice shortage. But my wife went to go order some fancy drink, and the guy's like, oh, I don't know if we have that drink. There's a dry ice shortage. I'm like, unbelievable. Wow, I'd never heard that before. That's, yeah. that's something else. Uh, you know, look, we're being told that there's not going to be enough toys for Christmas presents. We're, told, we're being told there aren't enough chips uh, in the supply chain because because they're all coming from China and Taiwan and, and Vietnam and Korea and, and they, they can't get here. So it's, you know, we, we, we were talking about gas and oil and we were kind of uh, harping on that a little bit, but what about food, right? I, I mean, you, could, you used to be able to buy a couple of steaks for your family for eight, nine, 10 bucks. And now just a simple, uh, just a simple steak, one is $20 at, the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're lo- you go to restaurants and basically prices have doubled for a steak dinner or a chicken dinner or pork chop dinner, whatever it is that you're. That obviously we're we're meat eaters, right? So, Love um, meat. Uh, but all these things are like you were saying. Um, we're, we're facing these supply shortages, and so the prices are going through the roof for all of it, and. I know you had mentioned the CPI was at five or six percent for the year uh, at the beginning of the show, but that, but we have to remember that CPI does not include oil and food. So we add those into the mix, and you're probably talking close to double digit inflation, which is what we saw back in the '70s and early '80s. Yeah, uh, and inflation is here to stay. And one of the perfect examples is. Uh, income. If you raise somebody's salary up to, you know, I'm making up a number, right? But you give them an increase of $5 an hour. Well, if the economy starts getting better and things are going well again for everybody, is your boss going to take that $5 pay raise away from you? Of course he's not. So all of that trickles down, right? So the cost of gas and oil means that, like you were saying, the supply chain that means it's more expensive to truck things across the country. It means that it costs more for plastics to be made, for packaging to be made, to run machinery, to do all these things. And for about a year or so, a lot of the manufacturers and producers were able to not increase their pricing, but now they have to. Yeah. And and so we're going to see we're going to see inflation for a while. It's not just the short period of time, no matter what 
we're hearing from mainstream media and other places, inflation is here to stay for a while. Yeah. So you you got to start preparing for it. And you got to, you know, you Absolutely. have to, you know, raise your inflation projections and in your plans just to be, you know, conservative. Like it's like I always tell my clients, let's, let's always kind of prepare for the worst in the, in our analysis and in mm -hmm. our, in our projections. And this way, you know, when we're done planning, we're, if we feel comfortable, that's great. And then if those projections don't, you know, uh, actually happen and we overproduce, that's, that's awesome, right? We just don't want to be, you know, preparing like nothing bad's going to ever happen. And then when it does completely unprepared right. and, you know, the last thing that I think can lead to the lower sentiment and that, you know, it's going to kind of go right in line with the, the supply shortages is now the, the employee shortage. We, uh, you know, we're, we're already, you know, I, at an employee shortage just through COVID, right? The, the workforce has not bounced back, but now with the decision by our politicians and, and the, and now the coercion onto the municipalities, the hospitals and big corporations, you know, and I'm not, I'm not taking the position of, of whether you're pro-vax or anti-vax. It's kind of irrelevant to, to where I'm going here. Uh, it's going to hit the economy. When you don't, when you have people that, you know, we're going into flu season and hospitals are laying off a, a hundreds of, of doctors and nurses, that's, you know, and then you have first responders, police, fire, leaving yep. departments and drove, that's going to affect the public safety. Crime's going to go safety. up. Yeah. Right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, back in my law enforcement days, we called it crimes of opportunity, right? The, uh, you know, the, most street criminals weren't doing elaborate, um, you know, if they're breaking into houses, they weren't using some elaborate, you know, lock picking alarm, you know, defeating the alarm system. They were just going in through an open window or an open back door. And when you start getting rid of, police and there's less police officers for the criminals to have to worry about that's opportunity and you know we saw this back with our fire and police or I'm sorry with our fire department a couple of years ago where they were starting to shut down fire stations and mm -hmm. the response time goes up right that's right. public safety you know more people are going to be prone to die you know, that's not that's not a CNN you know type of headline where we're trying to fearmonger. That's just you know seconds matter, right? And um, you know when you start to to increase the response time by minutes or you know uh, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, that that's precious time that people can't have, right? And you you know that from firsthand experience and. Maybe to a lesser degree, but still, I think more as important on, uh, on that subject is look at places like Walgreens and CVS. They they had to close in San Francisco a, a number of their stores because people were coming in and stealing thousands, shoplifting thousands of dollars worth of goods, and there was nothing they could do about it. Yep, they couldn't stop them. The police weren't going to come to stop them and arrest them. And if someone was caught. They're let out no bail, and a couple of, before the, uh, I'm sure before the law enforcement could finish filling out the forms, people were back on the street doing the same exact thing. And what does what does crime lead to when you when shoplifting occurs and stealing occurs? 
who eats that? Oh. The consumer does. Well, right? yeah. More inflation because the companies aren't going to eat it. They still they still have to make a profit. Yeah. And yeah. so they're going to be out there. They're going to raise their prices or they're going to shut stores. And that hurts the community right. because now those communities can't get their prescriptions. They can't get their cold and flu medication. They can't get their bottled water, whatever it is that you're getting at, at places like that. Right. And, you know, also, you know, you, you said it too, but, you know, the, the other big thing is now these stores are shutting down. Are the jobs now lost? Right. Right. Or are these people now going to have to, you know, drive a longer distance and maybe they can't afford that based on gas prices to keep their job with the company? And, you know, and at the end of it, when that happens to a Walgreens, you know, and, and you, you're every day you're losing thousands and thousands of dollars, what business owner in their right mind is going to be like, oh, Walgreens left. That's a great spot to hop into. Right. And then what then what you start to have is, you know, what I would call the Detroit effect. Right. Mm-hmm. Detroit was, you know, and places like Flint, Michigan, you look at back in the the days, those were beautiful, beautiful communities and cities. And then little by little, once the businesses started shut shut down, the communities went down. With yeah, I was going to call it the Bronx effect because you know, that's basically what happened in the seventies in in the South Bronx. Right. That's why they called it Fort Apache, the Bronx, the one police pre- precinct in New York. Uh, it was, they said, the most dangerous place in the United States to live at one point. And, th- and that's what you're going to see all over again. I, this is the kind of stuff that drives, I know you nuts, it drives me nuts. And I think it drives our listeners and, and people every day nuts. This is, I don't know, it, it's yeah. frustrating, uh, you know, and I know we try to plan and but it it just makes our job and and the lives of our uh, you know our, our families, friends, and and our clients harder and harder. Yeah. Now, in, in finishing off this, so mm-hmm. that's where I think I, I think you know we really hit as to why the bear sentiment is there. And and you know again, it's it's not about getting everyone worried. Um, right. You know, I certainly am not the fear mongering type with my clients. The point here is that stocks, the stock market seems to take the stairs up, but the elevator down. And that volatility unnerves investors. And we've seen it year after year with Dalbar that, you know, everybody likes that climb up the stairs, but when the when the elevator's dropping floor by floor by floor, that's when mistakes are made. So historically speaking, the good news is, historically speaking, November and December have been more of your positive months. I think, like we said, those months are going to be challenged a little bit, you know, especially based with the supply chain. And, you know, and obviously the holiday season, the Christmas shopping drives a lot of the economy. So we're, it'll be interesting to see how the supply shortages and that work out. But, you know, if you're sitting here and you're like, man, that was just a beating of the economy for the last 25 years you know, minutes. It's the the point I want to drive home is, and I tell my clients this all the time, do not get enamored with what the media puts out about the Dow Jones, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. Right. You know, we, we both admire a gentleman named Van Miller, who we both listen to, read, uh, respect, have been at functions with. And 
he has a line and it goes, there's no such thing as good news or bad news. There's only news. And yep. it's on, the news is only good or bad depending what you do with it. And so I think that's what we're both trying to say. Uh, you probably more eloquently than I am. Uh, that we're not trying to be fear mongers. We're not trying to say, oh, woe's me. You know, everything's horrible, blah, blah, blah. That's not what we're trying to say. We're just trying to give the information so that we can say, hey, this is what we see. This is what we're expecting. Let's put the plan into place to protect you, yeah. whatever that is, right? And we're both, we're both more about preserving people's principal or capital as opposed to trying to reach the the greatest return for a year, right? That's right. So because we, I think we both believe um, that you'll move forward faster by losing less. Yeah, and and actually talking about inflation, the best way to avoid inflation really hurting you is not to have major market drawdowns, right? And yep. you know, I think my point that I make to my clients is. And this stems from my RMA accreditation, my retirement management, is that retirement and the decumulation is completely different than accumulation, right? Where you can have those expectations of big returns and you can afford, you have that risk capacity, the ability to take on risk because you're not dependent on those. Now, in retirement, retirement is not about expectations or probabilities. It's about defined outcomes and, and consequences. And really, that's what I, you know, and, and and for listeners who might be do-it-yourselfers, now is really the time, right? When the markets are at the all-time highs, that's when you have the most financial risk. And that's where you have to be able to sit there and say, okay, how can we now, if things drop, how can we navigate this in a calm manner? And and that's what I always tell my clients, and, and I called all my clients during the COVID crisis to just see how they were psychologically, because that's 70% of this game. Right. And they understood now why we built our portfolios the way we did, why we have different, you know, our different strategies. And it's really to say, hey, let's be opportunistic in the good times, but always have an eye on the bad times because they will creep up. And while, and, and I, BlackRock and Mark DiOrio from Brookstone put out you know, this slide, and I even put it up on one of my videos, is they had a thing about diversification. And it says diversification will never feel good, right? We're not earning what the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones is. And then when the markets are down, I lost money, right? But the key to diversification and having a plan for those downtimes is that if you go with the ebbs and flows of the market and you don't get those highest highs, but you avoid those lowest lows, it has been proven over over 20 or 30 years of the historically proven that you're in a better situation. That's just pure math. Right? Yeah. That's simple mathematics. If I if I don't lose 50% one year, then I don't have to make 100% just to break even the following year. Yeah. So if I again, so it's just pure math. I you're again far more eloquent than I am. I'm a little bit more crude or what I tell people is pigs that go to the market get slaughtered. Right. True. So this is the time, this is the time where you have to really evaluate things and say, Hey, okay, I, I'm okay with this type of return. And if there is that negative sentiment out there, if there are those indicators that are saying, yeah, we might be in a bubble, 
then it's probably time to maybe shift gears a little bit, take something off the table because there's no shame in making a profit. And the other, and the great thing about Wall Street is tomorrow there's always another deal. Yep. So uh, you know, that's really part of the core investment philosophy that we use through Mark Diorio, Brookstone, and all the money managers that we employ is that, like you just said, we're not trying to maximize returns because we're never going to do what the S&P 500 does because we don't invest just in the S&P 500. What we're trying to do is get a really nice rate of return, respectable rate of return for our clients and not have those catastrophic losses, especially when they're taking money from their accounts to live off of. Yep. And and not only, I mean, you know, you you talked about the 50% and now you need 100% to recover. Well, the problem is, and I referred to it earlier with Dalbar, is how many people that are down that 50% can Stick honestly say that they stuck around right. to get the 100%. And, you know, Mark DiOrio and, and, you know, I've, you know, both of us, you know, we've been very grateful with Brookstone's approach. You know, Mark DiOrio and Alex and Bob and, and, and Dean Zayed, the CEO of Brookstone, they've done a great job recognizing, you know, what retirees really need. And, you know, they give the ability for investors to stay with their plan, right? My clients knew the plan for the bad time. And the most important thing is that they were able to stay the course. They were they had the confidence to stay the course. And and Mark Diorio put out this piece. I don't know if you remember it, Tommy, is what, what about last April or May? And it was a piece for advisors because it, you know, I care deeply about my clients. I know Tommy, you care deeply about your clients. Don't think for a second that market losses don't weigh heavy on us. Yeah. Right? It I mean, keeps, it keeps me up at night. Yeah. Believe me, it keeps, and I mean that literally. Yeah. And, you know, he had a great piece that I instantly took to my clients and was saying, you know, the worst days are always followed by the best days. And, you know, and, and the data he showed about that, that where if you missed the best 11 days after the, the 2009 crisis, how far back you were set back and, and, and going back to your example, right? You need a hundred percent just to get back to ground zero off that 50% loss. But if you lost 50% or 40% and said you had enough and sold out, historically speaking with Dalbar, you're not getting in until the market is probably already back up another 50-60%. Right. Therefore you've lost that major, you know, steam burst and now you're just going to get whatever the ride is back up. Right. And you know that's that's where I think, you know, Brookstone has done a, a phenomenal job at not only telling us as advisors, you know, listen, this isn't it, this not the hare, it's the tortoise, right? Let's Let's take a reasonable approach with principal protection in mind and give our clients a peace of mind they deserve. So um, with that, we just want you to understand that you know the news you're going to get from us is, and, and we talked about this in past podcasts, is we're trying to filter out as much nonsense and agenda that is out there. And we're trying to cut to the chase 
and let you know that these are some red flags. And, you know, we're at a high market, yet bear sentiment, and we have to consider that. And, you know, now may be a time, like like Tom said, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or one of us is your advisor or you have an advisor, now's the time maybe to give a call and say, hey, what do you think about maybe maybe changing things up? There's no shame in that, you know, and then your advisor nope. may say, no, we've planned for this. And, and in my case, you know, that's a lot of what my clients know we do. We, we've right. got plans for this already in place. But just just have a plan. Have a plan because if you have a plan, you you still might go through some pain, but your chances of coming out more successful are are much greater. Yeah, I, you know, if you if you don't have the plan, then you're uh, leaving your future in the hands of things that you can't control, right? At least if you have a plan, at some level you can control your portfolio, your investments, your strategies your uh, tax obligations, that's what a plan will do for you. It gives you opportunity and, and control. If, you're, if you don't have it and you're just sitting there, you know, inflation, you can't control. Supply chain, you can't control. Uh, taxes, you can't, you, you can't control if you don't have a plan. Right. Absolutely. Well, speaking of that, if you are concerned or you need to develop a plan, you can get a hold of us at any time. Uh, you can reach me at my office, 858-935-6210, Securus Financial. And Tommy? At International Financial Advisory Group, 973-394-0623. All right, folks. Well, we had a little bit of a longer podcast today, but we hope uh, we were able to cut to the chase, give you some things to consider going forward and having a plan that gives you that peace of mind you deserve no matter what the market is throwing at you. Your retirement, your way, coast to coast. That's right. All right, Tommy, take care. And we Thanks, will John. see you on the next one. Take care, everybody. It's easy to get in touch with John and Thomas. If you're more on the West Coast, give John a call at 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. Or go online to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. If you're more of an East Coaster, then call Thomas, 973-394-0623. That's 973-394-0623. And online at internationalfinancial.com. That's internationalfinancial.com. And you can, of course, always just check the description or the show notes section of today's show for all that contact information. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps, and we'll see you next time on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM, Securus Financial, and International Financial Advisory Group are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Iamarino, Thomas O'Connell, and guests on this show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot 
not be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subjects covered.